Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Here at Anchor Point, we believe that the pivotal point of all human history is an event that took place at a specific location here on Earth, a place called Calvary. It's a place of contrasts, a place of decision, a place of destinies. And today we'll be looking at two men at this place, two thieves. The Bible calls them malefactors, criminals, and they're facing the death penalty, each on either side of the Lord Jesus Christ. At first we see them united in their ridicule and hatred of Christ. They curse him and they mock him. And what a sad commentary on the heart of man. But as the story unfolds, we see a change in the heart of one of these crucified men. It appears that for the first time in his life, he came to terms with his own mortality, and more importantly, his tremendous sin and need before a holy God. What a remarkable example of God's grace. As we see Christ in his last hours on Calvary, and he reaches out to save a repentant sinner who turns to him. Luke chapter 23 and verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Now verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed or was blaspheming, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss, not one thing out of place. And then he stopped talking to his partner in crime. Then he speaks to the man in the middle cross. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And then the Lord Jesus speaks to him. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, I say unto thee today, Shalt thou be with me in paradise? And it was about the sixth hour 
and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. I want to speak to you tonight about two men. We want to take you to the cross of Calvary. And we want you to think of these two men. And you're like either one of them. You are either one or the other. This audience is divided tonight because of Christ. You are either one who has looked to Christ and you can know him, you know him personally as your Savior, or you don't. I want you to think of five things one thief understood that the other didn't. Verse 32 says, And there were also two other malefactors led with him, two men. Two men. You see, what makes a gospel meeting very serious and sobering is that people come into a gospel meeting, some hear about Christ, and they say, not for me. And they walk out, and their life isn't changed, and their destiny isn't changed. Someone else may be sitting beside you. They hear the same message. They hear the same message about the Lord Jesus Christ, and they say, yes. Christ for me. I remember visiting my uncle. He sat in the same meetings my mother sat in. My mother trusted Christ. He came to all those meetings just the same as my mother did before he died. You know what he said? I made a choice. In the same meetings your mom did, I was dating. And he said, I chose her over Christ. He said, I've told all my daughters not to make the mistake that I've made. Heard the same message. Heard about the same Savior. The same offer of forgiveness was available. And you're hearing the same message tonight. What are you going to do with Christ? These two men, what a day it was. Equal distance from the Lord Jesus. One on this side and one on that side. The man who died and went down to that awful place called hell. He would never be able to look back and say, well, it's not fair. My buddy was closer to Christ. He was more privileged. No, the same distance. One on this side, and one on that side. But one thief understood. Our good times are over. We have sown our wild oats. We have put our shoulders back. We have lived our lives. We thought we were invincible. We thought we could never be knocked out of the race. But now I am facing death. It's all up with me. And that man understood. There's no running from the law now. This is my last day on earth. This man faced the certainty of his death. I am dying. This man continued on carelessly, indifferent. I don't know whether he was blocking it from his mind. I'm just not going to go there. I'm not going to think about it. It's morbid. There are people who don't want to do it. They just pull the blindfold down over their, from their forehead, back down over their eyes. 
and they keep going on towards death. But this man woke up. You know, when he was first put on that cross, he was doing the same thing as this man. If you read the other Gospels, they were both blaspheming the man on the middle cross. They're both shouting at him. But there came a point in this man's experience. Stop! I'm going out into eternity. I am facing this article of death. And I'm not ready. In denial initially. But now he's awakened. He understands that the slender thread of life is about to be cut. And he's going to go out into God's eternity if he thought he had control in this life. Now he's losing control. Before this meeting concludes in the brief hour that we've been gathered in this room, 6,300 people will breathe their last and will go out into eternity. This man understood, I am about to die and I am not ready. Are you ready tonight? You might be ready and prepared for an awful lot of other things, but if you're not ready to die, you're not ready to live. Second thing he understood, not only is vulnerability, this man understood his accountability. Verse 40 says to his buddy, Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Aren't you thinking, buddy, about God? I can't get him out of my mind now. We're going out into eternity. And we may have called the shots in life. And we may have thought we were accountable to no one. But we only have a brief time left and we're going out to meet God. And it's been indelibly impressed upon me that I am accountable to God. My sins. I did whatever I wanted in life. But oh, when death is staring you in the face, and when the good times are over, God becomes very real. Anthony Flew, an avowed atheist, living over in the United Kingdom. Richard Dawkins is he, the younger generation. He's probably a protege of Anthony Flew. But Anthony Flew lived his life condemning People who thought there was a God. He went around the world. He made videos. He went on TV saying there is no God. We evolved. He debated Christians. He was out to put down the notion, the concept of God. But now Anthony Flew is in his 80s. Do you know what Anthony Flew is saying? I have looked at the intricacies of creation. I believe there must be a higher intelligence. You ready to meet God? What do you have to meet God with? This man is thinking, Dost not thou fear God? It's time to break ranks with a friend. He said, We were partners in crime, but if this is the way you're going to persist, I'm not going there with you. This is my soul, and I'm afraid of meeting God in my present condition. Oh, don't let a friend, don't let a relative keep you from getting right with God. This is about where you are going to be forever and ever and ever. Amos says, prepare to meet thy God. Where are you going to be? An old man in a nursing home now. Oh, he had a lot of professions. Yes, a lot of professions. 
One day he had the truck up in blocks, and he was underneath the truck, and the thought came into his mind, you're at the cottage all by yourself. If these blocks totter and the truck falls off, where will you be? Said I knew exactly where I'd be. He said, I get out from underneath that truck. I went into the cottage, and for the next day and a half, I immersed myself in the word of God, looking, I'm not ready, I'm going to hell. And he gets over to Ephesians chapter 2, brought nigh by the blood of Christ. And he starts to think about the blood of Christ. I'll never forget the night that he came to meeting. And he said, I got it. Have you ever been awakened to that fact? If I died tonight, where would I be? That's what this man was thinking about. Dost not thou fear God? He looks across the way. This man was also aware of the consequences of his sin that was weighing heavily on his mind. His own culpability. I am guilty. He says, and we were getting exactly what we deserve. We are receiving the due reward of our deeds. There he was on the cross beside the Lord Jesus and he's thinking, I deserve to die. I am getting exactly what I deserve. I am the one who committed the crimes. I am the one that's guilty. Did you ever get alone with God? Veneer off. All the sham. All the makeup. All the facade. Just get alone with God and say, Oh God. I am the guilty one. I am the one that has sinned against thee. I am the one that deserves to be in this awful place. I'm guilty, Lord. He was thinking about the consequences of his sins. There was no argument from his lips now about his sin and about his guilt. It's called repentance. It's called doing a 180. One minute defiant against God and blaspheming Christ, but then awakened and all of a sudden realizing I am the sinner. Ever been there? The wages of sin is death. He said, we're getting exactly what we deserve. Ever faced up to your sin? Dr. Billy Graham was having gospel meetings out in Los Angeles many years ago. And there was a famous talk show host, big six foot three, tough talking, like some of those talk show hosts are. And he interviewed Mr. Graham. And at the end of the interview, he said, now, I want all my radio listening audience to pack the tent out tonight. I'll be there too, he said. And sure enough, he went. And he listened to Mr. Graham preach about man's ruin, the depravity of man, and God's remedy. And when he was speaking about the depravity of man, he could only take it for so long. And then he jumped up out of his seat with that big audience, and he took his fist and he went like that towards Graham. And he stomped out of the tent, hostile. But at four o'clock in the morning, calls Mr. Graham's motel room, broken, but saved that night. You ever been broken about your sins? This man was facing his sins and the consequence of his sins. Verse 41, the other thing he understood, he said, This man, who are you talking about now? He's looking at the man in the middle cross and he says, this man has done nothing amiss. He observed the Lord Jesus Christ being nailed to the cross. 
I'm sure he must have thought, oh, how different he was from us. We were wrestling. We were struggling. They had to hold our arms down by with their knees as they put the nails in. But that man on the middle cross willingly, voluntarily, he opened up his arms and he willingly allowed them to nail his hands to the cross. They saw that. They were cursing and swearing. But this man, his eyes didn't flash with anger. And all he could think, this man, unlike ourselves, has done nothing amiss. He understood the innocence of Christ. I am the sinner. I am the guilty one. But he is the innocent one. Verse 42 says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. A fork in the road, he stops talking to him. And now he goes directly, speaks directly to the Lord Jesus. No longer is he reigning supreme in his life, calling the shots. No, that's all gone. He's no longer the Lord of his life. He looks to the suffering Savior on the middle cross. And he said, Lord, Lord. What was it he saw in that man? The disciples, they thought it was the end. It wasn't until after the resurrection that they were convinced. But this man saw him before the resurrection, dying on the cross, and he said, This is the man. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He understood this man is my Savior. If ever I'm going to be saved, it's through this man alone. What did the Lord Jesus say? The Lord Jesus, oh, he would hear your cry. If you were an honest sinner, he would hear your cry. And the Lord Jesus looked at him and he said, Today, I have to wait until some future day. This salvation is immediate. Today, you will be with me. Oh, can you imagine the joy in this criminal's heart? Today, I'll be with him. I don't want to be with any other as long as I am with him. And that day on the cross, that man trusted Christ as a savior. That man is in heaven tonight. But this man is in hell. Same Christ, same message, the same position and time, same distance between them. But oh, the distance is so great now. It's no longer the same. This man is with Christ. But this man is lost in hell forever. Friend, face up to your sins. Death is sure and often it's sudden. And look to Christ. He will save you tonight if there's an honest heart. Yes, there were two people associated with Christ in his death. And as a warning to us all, the Bible records how one of them was wonderfully saved, but we must remember that one of them was also lost. Both were given the same opportunity, but only one made the choice to acknowledge his sin and accept Christ as his Savior and Lord. And we sincerely hope that none of our listeners will wait until their dying moments to consider these realities. The issues are far too important. Learn from today's message and choose Christ today 
and you will find that life has really only begun. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.